Welcome to Tigers Untapped, a Bluff City Media podcast. Stepping up to the microphones are your hosts, Trey Lasley and TJ Willis. Pull up your chair, grab your favorite brew, and enjoy the conversation. Now, let's get to the show. What is up? What's up? We're back with another edition of the Tigers Untapped. Teej, how was your weekend? Just weekend, man. Getting Just really excited for the weekend. work week, you know? Wow. I don't know. I don't actually remember anything that I did. Nothing stands out. He's got that dad brain. So true, dude. That is an understatement. Oh, that one hurt. Well, it was my birthday, so I had a great weekend. Thanks for asking, TJ. Oh, what? Yeah. Well, yeah, you were out of town, though. Happy yeah. birthday to you. Can he get... Are you going to... You want to guess how old I am? 20, those, 24. Yeah, for the, those of you at home, uh, for the longest time, Kenny thought that TJ and I were, uh, like, fresh out of college. <laughs> no, I am uh, plus... <laughs> Can plus, I tell the story about how I found out that you weren't fresh out of college? Plus nine. I'd be curious. Plus now. nine to that. We Kenny. were standing outside the facility... And we were talking about something that happened historically in Tiger Athletics. And Trey was like, I was at my girlfriend's house when this happened. And I was like, when you were four, you had a girlfriend? Your parents let you go over to your girlfriend's house at the yes. age of four? And he was like, you were like, how old do you think I am? Yeah, I was like 18 at the time. <laughs> so you're 14 years older than what I thought you were. Yeah. But hey, take your 24 at nine. The year of Larry Bird for me. Hey, bro, happy birthday, man, for real. You're getting old, dude. I know. So, so old. Yeah, so old. Uh, Anyway, good weekend. We are less than three weeks away from college football, TJ. Well, Memphis football. We are less than two weeks away from collegiate football because you're, oh, he's got the, the Under Armour on over there. TJ's Fighting Irish kickoff in week zero. That next, next Saturday, a week from Saturday. In Dublin, right? Against yeah, Navy. It is, it is in Dublin. Get I don't know a, if they're necessarily my fighting Irish. I don't I can't say the last time I've watched more than three games in a season. Like I've just been so That's three more I'm fighting Irish up, games brother. than me. Well, you're too busy you're all hanging out with Auburn and I have it. Arkansas. I can't, no, 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 no. This guy. No, 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 no. No. Just traveling to other games all the time. TJ, can I bring something up real quick yeah, what's up, from man? last week? I know Trey was having a rough week last week, so we kind of let this go. But this man straight up said that he was going to be a Florida State fan next year. Did anybody else catch that and I freak out? I I kind of heard some of it. We are so off topic right now. We're I not. do. We are. we are the number one college football podcast in Memphis. <gasps> yeah. We're talking college we're football. 45 minutes into it. No one has any clue what we're drinking. I've already crushed half this beer. Okay, tell the people what we're drinking first. We'll get back to you, Kenny. This is Ghost River Aquaman, and it's an IPA. And uh, I think this is the Stephen Adams nod, right? We can just go ahead and openly agree to that. Oh, this is for, for Stephen sure. Adams. I mean, there's we can't go into too much into detail yet. It's not that time. But the Stephen Adams beer, kind of cool. It is cool. Sorry, yes, you're a Florida State fan now? We're going to come uh, Not yet. I just said the possibility was there. When I make the trek down to Tallahassee next year. Yeah. I, okay. Perfect. The fanfare is going to be incredible when you go. I don't, I mean, I'm going decked out in blue. I'm going to be a Tiger supporter. I was, that was more around realignment. And sure. if we get left behind, I'm going to have to have like a, well, a team that's 
got a legitimate shot, you know? Why not root for Norvell? That's true. I, I do support Norvell. So I kind of watched some of their games, not a lot of them. I mean, look, the reality of it is it's not going to be possible. I've tried. I've tried to be a fan of multiple professional teams, other sports teams, soccer teams. It just doesn't – when they lose, it doesn't sting like it does when Mem- when Memphis loses. Ask my wife. It ruins whatever we're doing. I don't you have to ask your wife. I the know day. firsthand. TJ has experienced it. We are two different types of fans, right? I am a robot. I can turn things off. Memphis loses. I'm mad in the moment, and then I'm like, whatever. Except, we for that, well. except for that FAU game. It affected you. Yes, that was a little bit different. We have confirmation from TJ's wife, Miss Willis, that he woke up in the middle of the night and said, how the F did we lose that game? It was like 2 a.m. And then went back to sleep. Yeah, it was like 2 a.m. That is not, Um, TJ is, that's not him normally. Trey Trey enters downward spiral. The night is ruined. The the next day is ruined. It is a. Oh, it's bad. I mean, legitimately, my trip to Disney World last year was ruined by the East Carolina loss. (laughs) We talked about it. I'm tired of losing to those nerds, too, by the way. I know, in overtime, constantly. Sheesh. What's on the docket today? What we got? Uh, Well, we're just under three weeks away. We're going to run through our early season projection. We're going to go game by game, give our uh, projection on where we think they're going to stand. TJ, we got a special guest on today. We do. In segment two, none other than head old ball coach Ryan Silverfield himself is joining the program. Yeah. And we're going to teleport ourselves to the facility and uh, have a chat with old coach, and then we'll be back here and close things out. We're going to have to change it up with the beer. I don't think we can take the beer on campus. Yeah, so. it's a dry campus, so we're going to have to do like a, a sparkling water or something. Yeah, we'll change, we'll figure something out. We'll do it. Um, all right, you want to jump into this sketch? We're Yeah, we'll pull it up. September 2nd, opening up with Bethune-Cookman. This is our first meeting ever. They were supposed to have Ed Reed as the football coach, which was kind of exciting, especially for our buddy John, big Miami guy. Loved Ed Reed. I don't even really know what they weren't. They didn't have money. He wanted money for guys and stuff, right? Well, yeah, I think he wanted them to sink money. He just wanted the program program to get some funds, and they're like, "Mm, we don't have it. And he's like, okay, well, then you don't got me. I'm out of here. Yeah, I think it was one of those situations like, hey, man, we don't have – we have four 45-pound dumbbells for the whole weight room. Like, help me out. And they're like, no, we don't, we don't have it. And so he's like, I'm out to you. Yeah, man. Uh, that's unfortunate. We have never faced off. We've won 10 straight against our F- FCS opponents, eight and two against the spread in those. How are you not 10 and zero against the spread in those? Uh, including that 51 nil win over North Alabama last year. Bethune Cookman was just two and nine last year. They had a 70 to 13 loss to Miami. It was the only FBS game they played. TJ, I mean, this is going to be a just, it should be a bloodbath. Yeah, it should be, is the answer there. Who did we play a couple of years ago? Was it Southern? Yeah. Oh, in the it was a heat game. Well, yeah. And I remember their band was badass. Yeah. Like, not that they, I'm like into the whole band scene, but they were very good. Like you felt them from across the stadium. It was yeah. kind of wild. Um, that game was a 55-24 finish with the Tigers winning. Um, yeah, that's gross. Needs to be worse than that. No, I mean, that's a, a pretty big blowout if you think about it because I'm assuming Southern probably just put up one touchdown a quarter kind of situation. Well, no, I remember that game. They started out pretty strong. They were running a little bit of a 
QB read stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. Kept getting pickup chunk yardage on us. Um, I'm going big win here. Tage, want to know how you start the year off right? Yeah. Are you going? Are you trying to guess the score? You getting we'll do score when we get week, okay, yeah, game okay. weeks. I'm with you. Yeah, it's going to be a win. For but, sure. I mean, that's going to be like a, a – we'll go like 63-7. I told you I wasn't going to give you a score, but I'll give you one. Give me one. Do you know where Bethune-Cookman is, by the way? Somebody asked me this the other day, and my – no, I don't. My guess was Georgia – but I don't – or Louis, is it Louisiana? No. It is in Dayton Beach, Florida. Daytona oh. Beach. What did I say Dayton Beach? Daytona Beach. Did not know that. I had no clue what state they were in. Literally no idea. Hmm. Yeah, I, something new every day. It could have been a million dollars on the line. You couldn't have paid me to know where that was. Yeah. I I mean, legitimately, I probably would have never guessed Daytona Beach or Dayton Beach, Florida, for that matter. Kenny, did you know? I did not know. Yeah. no one knows. I don't even know what their mascot is. A wildcat, I believe. Hmm. I believe. Don't hold me to that. So Tigers versus Wildcats. You're on a roll tonight, TJ. Wildcats. Wildcats. All right. Next. All right. We roll into uh, week two, September the 9th. Head over to Jones Boogie for the old painted bucket bowl with the Arkansas Arkansas State (laughs) Red Wolves. We've won five of the last seven, including four straight, but we haven't covered in the last three. If you remember the last time we were down there at Jones Boogie, that was the uh, 55-50 barn burner with over like almost 1,400 combined yards put up. Just an absolute track meet of a ball game. Um, I that We never, I feel like we never beat Arkansas State like we should. It's sure. always a closer game than it needs to be, but like you got to go to Jonesboro. And let's pull one out by two tutties at least. Yeah, that'd be real nice because they are a team that we, for some reason, struggle with. And I don't know if it's because they think that we're a rivalry. It's a little bit of that, like, little brother, little brother, big brother thing. Yeah. And they, I will say, for what it's worth, they are not a team that is out there just recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. They're pulling guys in for second chance from P5s and things like that. So, like, it's not due to a lack of talent. Like, they have talent. Like, you go look at their roster – Pretty much everyone who is expected to start is a transfer, someone who's transferring in. So it's not like, yeah, you know, they just got some two-star from Four City starting at quarterback or someone like that. TJ's Arkansas City knowledge. Look, I don't like to flex on it, but, you know, I got it. Hmm. Little Ravenwood. Ravenden. Excuse Ooh. me. Ravenden. Yeah, Ravenden. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, no, that's a win. I, I still think the Tigers pull it out. Like, I, I am so confident – in this roster. Like, I don't know how many times I have to say this, but like, I think everyone they have is, is simpatico, which is like the weirdest way to say that. I just think they, they're going to gel so well together. Do you? Yeah. Seth agrees with you. No, I, he I'm said the other excited. day, he thinks this is the most best talented roster that they've had. Most since he's been. best. Talent. That's what he said. That's a direct quote. Most best talented. I respect That's that. not what he said. Joe Skates also said that they got some special brewing over there. He's he's excited for the city to see it. So we both got them starting off two and zero. All right, September fourteenth, short week Thursday home matchup with Navy. We went four straight in the series, three and one against the spread in that time. We haven't lost at home since TJ to Navy twenty seventeen. No, we only lost one game in twenty seventeen. UCF on the road. Oh. Speaking of Disney trips being That's ruined right. by Tiger football, that was another Disney trip. I've been to Disney twice as an adult, both times. 
we've lost the game. I went to that game, and their stadium is trash. The yeah. bounce house is not cool. It's because it's structurally not sound, and it literally shakes, and it's gonna. It's a glorified high school stadium, and it's a lightning rod. There was lightning there, and we had to get 50 miles away from the stadium so that we didn't get struck. They're actually suing the company that built that. I they think. should. I mean, it is bad. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but they're going to sue the company because of that. Like iron, like the aluminum that they built it with is yeah. basically like snapping in places. It's absurd. Um, 15 went to a year. You know, that, that big old matchup, they had Keenan Reynolds. Oh, yeah. I do. We had just high. gotten ranked. We were undefeated, just gotten ranked mm-hmm. the highest ever G5 in the, well, it was second, first year, second year of the college football playoff. We were yeah. like 13th in the country. Uh, so I haven't lost at home since 2015. I think it's a win. They got a new first-year head coach, Ken Nakalopolo. I can't say it. Niamatololo. He's out of here. What? It's not that hard. Niamatololo. It's not after I hear you say it, but off the rim, it's. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, they moved up. Brian Newberry, the defensive coordinator, has been there. Is he sticking with the triple option? If you're going to get away from it, now's the time because you don't have a quarterback worth a damn. I think they stick with it, though. They probably will. I don't know how you go away from it. I mean, that's Navy football. Yeah, it's. You got to think like. It's the Naval Academy. You can't have 300-pound linemen out there. Yeah. Like, everyone, all the linemen are, like, 250, 260, and just hella conditioned. I hate the cut block more than anything in the world. Um, I know there's people out there that are scared of the triple option. They're scared of Navy, and I'm just not. I think we make it five in a row, yeah. win at home on a short week, and uh, Tiggs moved to 3-0 on the year. Yeah, it's going to be a win for me, too. Mostly, I just really like the D-line this year, and I think that that is – if you have a sound defensive line versus the triple option, I think you have a really good chance. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take it. Yeah. And here we go. These next three games. Oh, this is, this is going to be the gauntlet. These three games are this four weeks. Kenny, I, I'm going to be honest. I had no idea what you were talking about. I was like, does it do just now start recording at 45 yeah. minutes later? Uh, here after, we go after <laughs> Navy. You got a September 23rd matchup with Missouri. Don't even want to talk about the location. And St. Louis is supposed to be a neutral side that's complete BS, but whatever, we'll take your check and then beat you. First meeting since 18. I was at that ball game. Not a pretty game at all. No. We lost 100 to 35, I think, was the final score. Yeah. That was the Albert O game, dude. Oh, yeah. Just streaking down. That's a name I can't say. Just streaking down the middle of the field all game long. The same play over and over and over again. It was absurd. I'm going to be honest. I don't know too much about Missouri. You know, I've kind of looked at it, looked at the roster, like kind of looking at what they're going to have. I'm not that impressed. And this isn't anything shocking. Like they're not, you know, notably a very good football team, right? I'm not saying anything that's super shocking and 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 newsworthy but um i just don't know man like i it's kind of a toss-up just due to the fact that i'm worried where this game falls on the schedule that perhaps some guys will be kind of overlooking the missouri game and looking ahead to the next week because you know that we as kenny said here we go like that next stretch of games like i'm worried they may be looking forward i don't know tough for me to 
to overlook an SEC opponent. Sure. I get um, that. I, again, I, I don't think Missouri's world beaters by any means. They're yeah. going to finish bottom half of the SEC probably. I just, I don't, I too don't really like the spot that we're in. It's going to be basically a Missouri road game or a road game, game for us in Missouri. Yeah, Missouri home game. Um, I think they are very beatable. This could be a very winnable game. I really want to say that we win. So I'm going to say that we win. Okay. In a barn burner, though. I'm talking like a... 60 to 66? Like no, what? not. I'm just like a 45, okay. 41. I will say we dropped this one just due to the fact that I think I could trade it off with the next one of the next two games. One of the next three. Is, yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be a loss. So there's going to be a little bit of trade off. Realistically, if you can go through Missouri, Boise State, and Tulane at two and one, I think you set yourself up really nicely if you go through three and oh then you're just oh three go ahead and put me in the yeah uh, college football playoff yeah we're going to to freaking atlanta yeah i'm gonna say it's a loss um i will say probably a relatively close one maybe one like uh two lane last year one where we got behind because of stupid tip passes stupid punt fumble yeah uh, and then you kind of clawed your way back, but maybe they were able to just fell off a little short. Yeah, I you come off. It looks a lot closer than it really was, kind of thing. See that? Um, all right, so I'm at four and zero. TJ's at three and one. Move on to the end of September. Your fifth September game, Boise State at home. We've never met. Um, so first meeting there. Our first matchup with the Mountain West Conference since uh, Utah State win last year in the first responders bowl. Well, um, this is going to be a tough game. Yeah. I we'll think- see where we're at. I think FBI has us as a slight favorite in this game. And to be fair, since 2014, we are 19 and 1 in non conference home games. We protect that home turf. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I think. This is a good game. You know what that one loss in the non-conference home game is? One loss in a non-conference home game. They're now UTSA. Yep. I was going to say to give you a hint, they're now a conference. I just had to think back on the schedule who we played. That's unfortunate because it really shouldn't have been a loss. We should be 20-0 since 2014. I, I don't think anyone would disagree with you. A lot of people are picking Boise to beat the G5 uh, Access Bowl slot yeah i think that they're projected to win the mountain west so that makes sense i mean depending on what you think of the american in general i mean you gotta think of out of the last five american champions outside of memphis in 2019 and tulane last year they're all gone so it it's not like you're gonna have many options to repeat yeah these are gonna be tulane tulane repeating uh memphis winning again or someone new this one's tough. I want to say we have a letdown game here. Lose to Boise at home, which I hate. I want to protect home turf. <laughs> but I think we moved to 19 and, well, 20 and 2 non-conference. I'm going to go that way. I think this is a win. Okay. So we're flip-flop Missouri, yeah. Boise State. We're both at 4 and 1, though. Heading into a bye, which is huge. 
before an October 13th matchup, Friday night, October the 13th on Friday. Oh. Against the defending Cotton Bowl champions and American Conference champions, the Tulane in the membrane, Green Wave. Uh, we won 11 straight in this series, but we're two, two and three in the last five. Mm-hmm. Um, we've won, we've kind of alternated the last several times. The home team is winning the matchup. So I'm going to give us the edge and say, we pull this one out. Move yeah. Move to five and one off a of bye week. I will say we've, we've said our piece on Michael Pratt and what we think about Michael Pratt. I think this team relied so heavily on Tajay Spears last year. And he's gone. And it's not like that's someone you can just replace, right? You can't just have a next guy up and replace a Tajay Spears. It's same thing with Kenny. Same thing with um, any of the running backs, honestly. Henderson, it, it's just so hard to replace that guy specifically. I mean, we did it. Mm, Kenny kinda. literally replaced uh, Henderson. Kind of. Okay. Kind of. TJ. That's a very rare occurrence, though. It is. I'm just saying especially that we, at, as rare as it is, we did it. I know, especially at this level of football, right? If you're at Alabama and you have Mark Ingram and then it turns right into another version of Mark Ingram, whatever, right? It, you're pulling in five stars after one after the other. I think it's so tough to do at this level, and they relied on his running game and the strength of the offensive line so much to kind of open up maybe some of the passing plays downfield and things like that, that now that he's gone, I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're going to have to rely on the receivers more. They've lost some guys there, lost a couple of defenders. I just don't. They're going to rely on Pratt's legs more. They're going to have to. I mean, he's still a freak, right? Let's not, let's not give him what he is an athlete. He's athletic. Yeah, he's an athlete. He can scramble. He can run. He can make big plays. Yeah. So I, there's a chance that they could win. I just at home, we're not losing at Tulane at home. Yeah, we're Tulane at Murray. So we're both at five and one. What was the year? When's the last time we lost to them? At home. Yeah. Oh, you put me on the spot. I knew it the other day. We haven't lost to them since nine. The eighties. No, it was like ninety. Ninety-eight. 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 So Kenny was like twenty-two then. Yeah. He didn't hear you. <laughs> uh, all right. Fresh off of a Tulane victory. The Battle of the Bones is back. October 21st. I'm trying to work in a family beach trip around this ball game so I can get to it. I want to get down there to that new stadium. And I want to watch us beat the dog do at a Trent Dilfer's UAB Blazers and get that Battle of the Bones. They better be polishing that thing up because it's coming home. What y'all I- think about their jerseys? They look like South Florida to me. They look like so much like South Florida. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan of like that neon green. Yeah, it's just I've never like. I don't like it when Oregon does. I don't like it when anybody does it. That I'm black not. one. That black one was sick though. They had a black one. The black one. The end. The very. The, they had four of them. I don't. I, I stopped one. looking at all of them. And they were just gross. I'm gonna be honest. The dragon doesn't spit out red flames. Uh okay. I saw that one. That one has like the neon green. Let I me love see. it, dude. Turn your turn your screen. Let me see. Let me kind of blow it up a little bit. It looks like the Jets. No, that's disgusting. The, they've got that little the lettering. They deserve to be beat fifty-five to nothing wearing this. Yeah, I don't. I just don't like the neon green. That feels so USF to me. And it's an awful, awful font. The number looks dumb. 
That's a really Kenny likes them. Sorry, Kenny, we're hurting your feelings. Yeah, I mean, those are horrible. They're not good. I ain't worried about it. They're not good. Those are really bad. And it's crazy, too, because they rolled out that video. Like, look how good we look. Look at the video. Look how good they look. They're not good. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. We literally have probably the best uniforms. I think they could spice them up a little bit this year. I think they could change it up a little bit. They could. This I wouldn't mind uh, something new. The tiger stripes are good, right? They, they are good. They've had that same tiger stripe uniform. Well, the, for, but the stripes on the helmet are new. They're they more did change those looking. in like 2019 or 2020. I can't remember. Um, but I just I feel like this is the same uniform going yeah. back to 2016, 2017. 2017 maybe. You could use a little revamp. I we'll see. We, maybe there's some on the uh, on the. Uh, maybe they're doing something with it. I want a Memphis State uniform. I would love a throwback. I want that like bouncy. We did the throwback helmet decal for the bouncy pouncer. I don't remember what game that was. Was it like Kansas or something? We did it one year, and it was dope. I thought y'all weren't fans of the old tiger. Oh no no. What do you mean? What old tiger? The old tiger logo, the orange one. The one that y'all don't like. Oh, no, no, no. We the older than yeah, I'm talking man. old, old. Oh, got you. I call it Bouncy Pouncer. I don't know if it's actually a name. Cartoony one? Yeah. Yeah, that's a legit one. Yeah, I'm talking like... I got them on a shirt or a hat. Yeah, or I have it on, uh, on a shirt as well. I'm sure Tiger Jeb would be so mad if he saw us trying to look Google this and try to figure it out. Someone who's been around for a little bit. But it's that, that cartoony-looking pouncer with the curly tail. Hmm. Yeah, I got a little ticker in him. Yeah, man, I like that one. Uh, going back to UAB, I just don't think they're that good. I'm gonna be honest. Like, I know that Dilfer's trying to put out as much as he can about him, hype him up. They lost Bill Clark. They lost their defensive coordinator. Like, I just I have no faith in them. Like, sure, I'm sure they could become something, right? Dilfer has so many connections with the Elite Eleven. All he's got to do is pull in one of those good quarterbacks. I don't know how the heck you're going to do it, but you pull in one of those good quarterbacks, things could turn around, but it ain't happening this year. Hmm. Especially so not in neon green. We're both true that. Both at six and one. You come from Birmingham, you're heading down to Denton, Seth's hometown, to take on North Texas on the 28th of October. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we beat them in green here last year in a non conference game, but this year we're uh, now a conference matchup. Sure. Um, I feel like this is a win. Yeah, new new coach, new quarterback. There's just kind of a lot going on there. Like, I don't know. Anytime there's a coaching change, I just never know what to expect necessarily. So I'm like, okay, well, do they have a quarterback they can rely on? They brought in a transfer quarterback. It's not Ostinani. And Although he is still playing. No. Did he? No. He declared for the draft. I think he went to the draft, yeah. yeah. So they pulled in a quarterback from Southern Miss, which I'm assuming he also beat out. So this is at least the second quarterback from Denton, Texas, to beat out Grant Canal for a starting job. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe Grant transferred beforehand. I don't know. But it's just getting too much of a conspiracy at this point. Mm-hmm. So what you got is win or loss? It's a win, yeah. Is just, it? What? It You do have it a win? It's a win, yeah. Interesting. I don't think you've always had it a win. Oh, no, I, I think that they're 
we've struggled with them in, in years past for whatever reason. But okay, new coach. So I'm we're both you. we're both at seven and one. That's so unrealistic. I gotta go back and change something. Well, it's too late now. You I can't know. change anything because we're headed into uh, we're headed down to Tampa. USF's coming off a bye heading into this November fourth at Tampa. First meeting since twenty twenty. We won at the end of the game. What was that? A Calvin Austin catch in the corner of the end zone, mm-hmm. right there on the edge to seal the victory. Uh, yeah, with a minute three left, thirty four thirty one win. I mean, I'm. I think South Florida can be something special. I like their coach. You are. You are a fan of uh, Alex Goldish. Yeah, Goldish. yeah. I think he's good. You wanted us to. If there was an opening, I wanted them to consider him, yeah. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he has worked with some smart minds and really put something together. Jerry Bohannon, I think, is still the quarterback there and likely going to start. Um, That's someone Tiger fans should be familiar with. We recruited him. There was a chance we had him. I think he came down to the final three between Baylor, us, and someone else, but he ended up going to USF, and he's good. Um Statistically, he has not looked good, and I don't know if that's because he has a poor cast around him or what, but um, I think it's going to be a win. I just don't see South Florida rebounding this quickly, even if they do have a good coach and a decent quarterback. It just seems like it's a big ask, honestly. So we're both at, what is that, 9-1 and one now? Is that a win for you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Heading into a matchup with Charlotte, first time we've ever played them. When moving on, we are like eighteen and two in November, I think, over the last several years. So yeah, a win against Charlotte, which takes us into a crucial matchup with SMU at home. Uh, we've won seven of the last nine in the series, eight and one in the spread against the Mustangs. Uh, led last year at halftime, but ended up losing that heartbreaker, thirty four thirty one, through a pick in the end zone at the end of the game. Um, last time we played here, SMU came in ranked 23rd and we got the 28, 25 victory. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. That was a big, I think there's a video of me. No, that was the last one. I was trying to think of the, the, the ending of that where we scored the game, but that was like two home games against SMU Uh, ago. Yeah. Uh, that was not, not long after that was when Sonny Dykes was getting, uh, mentioned for the TCU job. Yeah. This one's uh, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really tough because if you think about it, UTSA, Tulane, SMU, and then Memphis. That's pretty much, for the most part, let's try that again, some combination of UTSA or Tulane for the one and two spot. And I've seen anyone say Memphis or SMU for the third or fourth spot. Yeah. It's a total toss-up there. I think it's a toss-up of that top four, like literally all four contenders to make the conference championship, and then it's a – it's not a significant drop-off, but sure. I think there's a drop-off after that. I will say that SMU's schedule is pretty friendly to them. So there's a chance this game could feel special to them because they're going to come into the Tigers likely looking pretty good. They'll have a loss more than likely to Oklahoma and TCU, but they are Charlotte, ECU, Temple, Tulsa, Rice, North Texas, and then Memphis. Yeah. I mean, this could, again, they likely have two out-of-conference losses. Maybe they pull one of those out. But this could be a pretty big, important matchup late in the year to determine 
I think it's huge. Like home field for mm-hmm. a conference championship, particularly. Yeah, I, it's a very big game. Trey, I think this may be a loss only because I'm, of. I'm kind of feeling that way too. Like it seems like we have struggled with SMU as of late. I don't know why. Because there was a period in time where we just smoked them. I think there's actually been runs on both sides, really, where it's been like win, 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 loss, win, 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 and it just kind of keeps going on the other side. But um, I'm going to say it's a loss, a close one, but a loss. Um, that pains me because it's a home game. I know. And if I could retroactively go back and, and change something, I would. But I'm going to say it's a loss um, mostly because – it seems so wild to go from like a, a seven and six year to what are we now? Ten and one? Nine and one. No, ten and one, yeah. Ten and one. If wait. No, nine and one. Nine and one, yeah. yeah. To nine and one. It just seems like kind of a big jump. Roster roster though. Cause yeah. it sounds like you're saying the reason you're scheduling this a loss is because you've said when sure. multiple, multiple, multiple weeks in a row. Roster to roster. It's so Memphis tough. at home. They pulled in so much. Yeah, that's the thing. Transfer. Is, that's where I'm at. I, it's not necessarily because I'm predicting so many wins, but it's like at that point in the year, like I know all for those a transfers fact, may be clicking for them. They have 15 freaking Miami players on their roster. Yeah, whatever. I you mean, I, think about that. I think Kenny. I'm taking this a loss too to move us to nine and two. I'm going to round out the year at Temple. We finally get over that hump in Philly and beat Temple. I'm going to have a good Thanksgiving weekend. I'm manifesting that right now. It's going to move us to 10 and 2. And then we're going to get revenge, get this, on SMU in the conference championship. How do you like me now? That is a wild turn of events. That's not where I thought you were going to go with that. Well, it's where I went with it. I do think you win at Temple because I don't think Stan Drayton's in a nice way worth the damn. Like, I just think that program is not doing hot right now. EJ yeah, EJ Warner. I think he had a really good game at the end of the year last year versus ECU. I think he toasted ECU. And our, was it our boy Bmos that told us what he said at Media Days this year that there was a Memphis fan uh, last year that just kept yelling at him that Isaac Bruce made his dad's career, and he was like, <laughs> "I literally I don't know what to say back to that because you can't." I mean, what what is he going to say about? What do you say? Like someone's got to catch the ball. Dude. Yeah, literally. What do you mean? He did. Yeah, I and I think we know who that person was that was saying that. Was it Brandon? Yeah. Was yeah. it all, all B-Gum? <laughs> it was all, Of course it was. It was I'm trying to think of who I would know that would yell something like that was, at somebody. It was Bum G. <laughs> oh, bum. gosh. All right, TJ, I'm at 10-2 and two in a conference championship appearance. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think they're going to be. You're at 10-2, too, with only. Temple. I know it's I mean, you've only got Philly. one conference loss. I know it's at Philly. And the refs hate us up there. Joey's still caught it. Um, I'm going to take a win there. I just think that we're better. I'm trying to solely focus on our roster and how I feel about our roster heading into these games. And I just think our roster is better than Temple. So, Fun fact, that'll be our only game played this entire year on actual grass. Really? Yeah. Everything else is artificial turf. Now, you know what people are going to say when they watch this and hear y'all's record, right? Yeah, I mean, trust me. I When I looked at the rec- the schedule originally, I was like, this is a a low ball 8-4, and four, but I think a 9-3 and three is really what I feel best about. 
So you're only one game off of that. I know, but that's my thing, though. Is I'm that's the to- optimism in me, though. I th- I think nine and three feels probably where they end up, but I'm going. Let's go ten and two and make a conference championship. Yeah, the schedule sets up nice. Your toughest opponents outside of Missouri all are home. at home. You have a very weak second half of the season after the Tulane game. I mean, it's very doable. Yeah. I, I think that if early on, if they can establish the running game, then I feel much, much better about what did I end up saying? 10 and 2? Yeah. 10 and 2? Yeah, I'd feel much better about 10 and 2. But going into it now, all we're hearing is um, how everyone's looking good. Like We don't really know what the running back situation is. There's 15 of them on the roster. Which one's yeah. really going to stand out kind of situation? Um, maybe Ryan. Give us a little input on that. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think if, if the running game is is going well, it's established, I would feel really, really good about it, uh, 10 and 2. But as of right now, I'm a little little on the fence. I think 9 and 3 is really where. Well, hey, we're still three weeks out. Obviously, when we get we get to September 2nd, 9th, we'll get a better feel, and uh, we'll have full breakdowns on game week. So. Trey, just throwing this out there, courtesy of FanDuel, what do you think the over or under is set on for Memphis this year? Wins? Yeah. I've wins. already seen it. It's eight and a half. Okay, cheater. I am taking the over. I didn't realize we were cheating. Okay. Wow. I mean, I've already, what do you mean? That's not cheating. I'm just, I'm a, I bet I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. What is Memphis's, what are Memphis's odds to win the conference? That's good. We're probably the fourth best odds. Give me a number. Which means we're probably plus 750. Plus seven hundred. I that's I pretty good money. Like if anyone's actually a gambler, I mean, I would. I'm. Pro, I might. I don't do a whole lot of future bets because I don't like tying my money up for that long. But I might throw something on that. Yeah. Don't let Chase and them know. Chase and Daniel know that we're the new uh, Bluff City bets over here. But just throwing it out. When there. When we get in the season, TJ and I'll start throwing out some picks. Memphis at plus seven hundred is very good money, considering it is a wide open and conference race. Wide open. Like, I understand, like, and you've got a schedule that sets up very nicely for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, yes. I I think that Memphis has a very, very, I mean, we're just talking about 10 and 1 and 9 and 2. If not this year, when? Look, if not, you heard it from Seth, the most best team we've had in a long, most best talented. That is, is something that I think that, maybe gets overlooked as a statement in general, right? Because you're thinking like, come on, dude, you just, you, you're just saying that, right? You just lost. I mean, he didn't say it the other G- last Kaden year. Priest Corn, you just lost Eddie Lewis. You just lost Asa Martin. Stonehands? You just lost um, who, Gabe Rogers. Like you just lost so many of your top receiving weapons. And now you're saying, like, you just got so many new yeah, guys Yeah, we got in. Blaine Kumsky. We got Tusky Dove. I, I'm with you. I'm just saying. Rock Taylor. When people hear that, they're going to be like, what are you, you're just talking out of your butt. Like, what are you talking about? Well, they better get out to Simmons Bank and watch this team. Amen, brother. All right, we're going to take a break. Head over to the facility. Kenny, we need you to hit that teleport button. When we come back, we'll wrap it up with this beer review. Yeah.
think that's a do you think that the confidence that Penny Hardaway has, the, the piece that it seems like he has, do you think that's strictly because, hey, I got this awesome recruiting class I just signed, or that is year five? This is getting I think easier it's both to me. Those. It's, yeah. it's year five, and he started to to tick off accomplishments. You mm-hmm. know, won the conference tournament last year, mm-hmm. been in the NCAA tournament two years in a row. I think he's comfortable, he knows the job. And then on top of it, he very clearly has the best team he's ever had. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Tune in to The Anthony Sane Show, Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. weekly on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Bluff City NIL is an official partner with Coaching for Literacy, a nonprofit organization using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. You can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or at Coaching for Literacy on social media platforms. Your donations to Bluff City NIL are 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. So we thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student athletes and helping promote the monumental cause that is childhood literacy. They got picked fourth in that in that poll, uh, the preseason media poll. And uh, I, I don't think that would be a good finish for this team this year. No. I think they need to aspire way higher than that. And I don't see why they shouldn't. Tulane and UTSA may be good teams, but they're not world beaters. They're not teams that you should preclude yourself from beating if you want to get to the spot you want to be. And if you were to want to be a power five school, which the University of Memphis wants to be in athletics, you have to beat teams like that. Have so the aspirations still need to be high for this program. Tune into On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. All right, what's up? Welcome back. We are in the facility. We got Coach Silverfield. Welcome. I don't know if you've known, but we are actually the number one rated college football podcast for Memphis. I love it. Are you oh. familiar with Big Game Boomer? Uh, no, but I, I love the fact that you guys okay. are, and I appreciate well, the recognition you guys yeah. give our football program. Welcome, and we're damn glad to have you on. TJ, What are typically we do a beer review, but on campus it's dry. We're going with a, Maybe a, next time. a seltzer yeah, yeah. water, I think is what TJ brought us today. Yeah, this is a San Pellegrino Momenti. I think it's how that's pronounced. It's lemon and raspberry. Not sure how I feel about it, just off the general naming convention of it, but nice and refreshing. I don't know. We'll get to that at the end. Uh, Coach, we're three weeks out. What are you, 12 days into camp? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's upon us, right? About halfway through our, our camp and then, uh, you know, school will start. But the, the, the focus obviously is getting better through training camp. The guys have done a phenomenal job, um, but uh, just kind of pleased with the progress we're making. You're in the middle of camp, right? Make sure you're staying healthy and well and progressing. Uh, we got the majority of our scheme in, and now it's time to just kind of hone in the fine fundamentals and uh, start to get ready for the season. Yeah, I know, uh, I think it was last week in one of your availabilities, you were talking about one of the focuses of finishing this year. In the last two years, I think we it's eight games, I think, by a touchdown or less, two mm-hmm. in overtime, a couple of last second field goals. How do you drive that home in fall camp of of finishing? What does that look like? Yeah, I think the importance thing of the the finish aspect of it is with everything we do, right? We talk about it with owning the football, right? No turnovers, right? Getting takeaways, finishing every drive, finishing every play, and finishing every game. So 
part of that is just putting that mentality of we've got to be the best fourth quarter team we can be. You know, a couple of years prior, right, we had these great comebacks. We were a good fourth quarter team in this past year. Um, and really the year before that as well, we weren't finding ways to finish the game. And it always starts with me as a head coach. I got to find ways. But I think the more we talk about it and put it out there, hey, we understand the importance of finding ways to put games away. I hope we have leads going into every fourth quarter. Uh, but I think if we've discussed it in practice, if we're talking about it all August, all, all summer, about finding ways to put games away, um, and that means being in the best shape, right? So we're the best condition team, so we can go and have strong fourth quarters. Uh, but also the mindset and the mentality of, hey, no matter what the score is in the fourth quarter, it's ours. Yeah. You talk about being in shape, man, this heat out here. I don't know, I was out at the FedEx St. Jude yesterday, Lucas Glover sweating through his pants. You guys are gonna be in damn good shape if you guys keep practicing in this. Come November, be nothing, right? <laughs> well, it's hot everywhere. I mean, yeah. that's why I, I tell our team all the darn time, it's, it's hot down, we play in South Florida, it's hot in Tampa. Right, our first game is an opponent from Daytona Beach in Florida. I mean, it's it's hot throughout the country, but uh, our guys are prepared. We got a great strength and conditioning staff. Uh, They've worked the guys uh, all summer, and we, we, you know we're excited about where we are from a conditioning standpoint. But there's one thing to be running back and forth in between the white lines and actually practicing out in the heat. Sure. I know you said you were kind of working on scheme. We're three weeks out. At one point, do you start phasing away from scheme and start looking at, hey, we got to start getting prepared for week one? Because yeah. it's kind of a fine line there. Absolutely. I think you know it all depends on where you are. We we don't want to start preparing for week one's opponent, you know, twenty days out because then all of a sudden you're going to line up and for sure that week one you're going to see something unique. Uh, we do have a, a an opponent, Bethan Cookman, that has a new coaching staff. Uh, that we'll, we'll have some different schemes. So there's not like we can go back and watch last year's opponent and say, okay, this is what they're doing. So find different ways. Uh, we got to continue to improve upon ourselves. I think, you know, the majority of the X's and O's, you know, once you get halfway through camp should be in. And now we're doing a lot more situational football. And so, you know, third downs, red zone, two minute, four minute, all the different situations put our guys in the right spots. And so then when that does occur in a game, we've already practiced it. Uh, we'll start honing in on game one about 10 days out. Yeah, makes sense. You talked about Bethune Cookman, new staff. I mean, even in the American, you got several new teams. You got several teams with new staff. I mean, how does that change preparing game week? If, you know, you got a new coach. You don't have a lot of film on a team you hadn't seen probably in the last several years. How does that a change approach? Yeah, I think, you know, you look, we always try to do an off-season study on our opponents, especially, hey, is it like Navy on a short week, right? They've got a new head coach, but we assume they're going to run a lot of the same scheme. Uh, but with that being said, you get a, an idea jump because they are a Thursday night game. But then you look at, you know, Bethune Cook, when Arkansas State has a lot of the same coaches coming back. Uh, but then once you start to get into the season, at least you got film from that previous year, it does change, right? You can sit there and chase ghosts and sit here and say, hey, at this school eight years ago, this coach did this, you know, three years ago, this sure, defensive yeah. coordinator yeah. was a linebacker coach. This was the blitz they put in. So the reality of it is you really want to focus on yourself, what you're going to be good at. Um, and then understand that the opponent's going to bring a variety of things. I think it's always hard on a defense uh, because what are they going to come out running offensively? Are they going to be a triple option team? Are they going to be a spread team? Are they going to line up in 22 personnel? So a lot of those unknowns, uh, but that's the way they call it college football in week one, and that's why so many th crazy things occur then. How tough is that, that turnaround on the short weeks? You talked about playing on a Thursday. Let's say it's a Thursday away. I, don't, I think we're Navy at home this year, yep. but uh, let's pretend it's Navy there. Yeah. How tough is that? Well, you know, you think about this. Most of our games early in the season are 9-8 games. So if we play a Saturday night game, by the time most of our guys get to bed, it, it's going to be after 1 o'clock at night. That's even after they shower, eat, and go to bed. That's after a game. Yeah. Well, and then the coaching staff, if you think about it as well, they're going to have to have all that film graded, all that stuff, and, and hurry up and be back in the office by 7 a.m. So really there's no sleep yeah. from the previous game. 
the, the one thing you worry about with the players is not so much the film study, it's their body's recovery because that's a quick turnaround. Uh, for a coach, you got to sit there, okay, put the previous game to bed, right? Get that grade and make sure you're correcting those mistakes because if not, those mistakes will rear their ugly head on Thursday night. Um, so you got to get that stuff taught, but then you got to go ahead and plan for the opponent and, and what they may have. And playing a team like Navy, if it were away, uh, a triple options, it's something unique. It's not like we're going to see that in the first couple of weeks. So now all of a sudden you're playing a completely different offense than you're going to see all season. Uh, with all that, as you move forward, playing an away game, that means we're going to be flying out on Wednesday, right? So we'll come here and do a Wednesday practice here, fly out. We, we have to have study hall at the hotel, uh, make sure the guys are handling their academics, and then go play a Thursday game. And usually those Thursday night away games, they're those 7 o'clock ESPN games. So you get home later, you're back at it, and then trying to find a way. Uh, you try to find a way to catch your breath the following weekend of it uh, with our, our student athletes, getting them recovered. But it's a, it's a quick turnaround. Um, we've done it before. We have a plan in place regardless. Yeah. You mentioned recovery process, especially for the guys. And I know two years ago, the injury bug kind of struck. Have you guys changed anything you're doing in that area, like philosophy-wise, things you're doing maybe in practice or camp to ensure we're guys are recovering better? We... Yeah, we're always going to be smart with it. I think, right, there's those natural, you know, what can we do about broken bones and, you know, ligament damage. Sure. We're, we're gonna, Some of those things you can't control. Uh, we obviously want to be uh, smart with the way we practice, right, make sure we're efficient. But you know, we've added a sports science department uh, to our football program. I think part of that is looking at high-speed mileage. What are they doing? How many yards on feet? Are there a guy that maybe, hey, instead of this guy getting – um, you know, an hour and a half of practice, maybe he's only getting an hour in certain segments so we can be smart with the soft tissue. Uh, you know, we've had these Normatec boots where the guys put the cooling legs on their boots, uh, chiropractic, massage, all those things that can help them get recovered because uh, they're going to practice really hard during the week. Uh, obviously, games are physical and violent, and it, it takes a toll on these guys' bodies. So we're always looking at we got a great uh, sports medicine staff that's, you know, taking care of these guys' bodies to make sure that they're doing everything they can. Uh, and we're always looking, okay, how do we take the best care of our guys? Uh, yeah. And sometimes you get lucky and get through a season, knock on wood, with minimal injuries. And other times, as we know, uh, things occur during the, the course of the season. We might need to borrow some of those cooling boots in the uh, stadium on, what, August 2nd? Or yeah. September 2nd? September 2nd. Those September games, man. Well, I can see y'all with the cooling boots doing a beer review, you know, up there September 2nd. I'll I think do that, it. You got that? That may be a segment. Do a live pre-game. stadium show. Yeah. We'll get <laughs> it going. We'll get it going. Uh, what's the most impressive thing you've seen since camp started? A play, anything? Yeah, you guy know, lifting so much, like yeah. 600 squat, what do we got? Besides YouTube being here in our facility, being the most impressive thing so far camp. Yeah, right. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that as you, the roster turnover occurs in college football, you know, the one question that we asked ourselves was, what's it going to look like from camaraderie, right? The, the actual team aspect. It's, it's great to talk about the individual, hey, Simeon Blair, right? Blake Watson, you're bringing all these transfers in that are coming in. Well, we also had a great core of guys that have come in and, and done it the right way for sure. a long time. And Jalen Allen's been part of the program that's had success. And now all of a sudden you're bringing all these other guys. But I think the fun thing to see this training camp, right, is not only the work and the mindset and the approach of the guys, but it's also the bonding. Because you're bringing in a guy that, hey, he's only here for six months, right? Another guy that's, you know, just finishing up a transfer from this place. And to see the way they've, you know, worked together and, and understand, hey, we're all in this for one goal, one reason to win a championship, that's been a joy. And I think sometimes that you get lost in that aspect of, hey, well, we got all these guys. That's great. Well, they, they got to work together. Yeah. Sure. And that, that's been the most impressive thing. There's been a lot of, you know, one play deals. Hey, th- this guy made a fantastic hit, this, this interception, this catch. A lot of those things, but those are just flashes in the pan. What I like to see on a day-to-day basis is our guys getting better and bonding, and I think we're seeing a lot of that so far. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, you mentioned roster management. We've talked about it last several years. I mean, it's it's a big deal, right? 35, 40%, you said. We've gotten a lot of new faces yeah. this year. You got Demir, Simeon Blair, like you mentioned, Malik <laughs> Feaster. That, who were a couple of those guys that have come in that maybe the casual fan hadn't heard of that they can they, they're going to be out there at the Liberty Bowl on September 2nd and it's like wow who's that guy yeah you know we talk about a lot of the skill guys because those yeah. are the right everybody wants to know about the, the skinny ones. guys running around and all that stuff yeah from ones whatever you know a guy that hasn't gotten the attention I think he'll, he'll get a lot of recognition because he's doing a fantastic job is a guy named Josh Ellison <laughs> transferred D lineman from Oklahoma played sparringly there you know he, he came here he's one of those guys that came here in January and know, hey, I'm just here for my final season. Um, and, and, you know, my goal is to put myself in the best situation to win a championship and to, and to win a conference ring. And uh, he's come out and steadily done a lot of things. A lot, um, maybe that big D tackle position is not as sexy to the average fan, but he's <laughs> going to be a difference maker for our team this year. And uh, I think that's one of those things that you kind of sit back and watch. Obviously, we've had some turnover at specialists. Sure. And, you know, somebody always wants to talk about, look, Demir Blake, he's going to be fantastic. Blake Watson's going to be fantastic, right? We talked about Sammy and all those different guys. But you know, the, the kicking position is just as important as any, right? Reed Bauer, the transfer punter from Arkansas. Uh, we expect great things from him, you know. And then you got Seth Morgan, the kicker transfer. Um, we need him to be steady and, and do well. So I think those are some of the names that fans kind of forgot about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we do have new kickers. Sure. They won't uh, think about it until it becomes an issue. You know, yeah. So as long as he keeps that's making them. That's how it them, goes, right? Yeah, and uh, it does what he's supposed to. We, we won't know his name. But, uh, no, I think those are some of the names that the fans will get out there and be able to get their names behind and, and see what they're all about. Sure. Just curious, you kind of talked about the transfers and things like that. How has that changed your mindset from a roster management standpoint? Like, incredible recruiter. All the classes, I think I think we had two back-to-back and 21 and 22 top classes. Uh, how does that change with the transfer portal? Do you start focusing more on upperclassmen? Do you kind of get away from the younger freshmen? How does that work? Yeah, so I still believe in our coaching staff and the way we do things in developing guys. And uh, that I will never get away from that philosophy. We're still gonna recruit a high school class. Now there's a lot of colleges out there that say, screw this, we're, we're pushing all the chips in on this roster, win right now, and we'll figure it out. Sure. And if it doesn't, right, it implodes and, and bad things happen. But I think you still have to bring in true freshmen and develop them and see what they can become. Um, and and, I, and that, I'll never waver from that. But the portal certainly changed things, right? It used to be, hey, if you lose a redshirt sophomore linebacker, well, you can't just go replace them with a true freshman. Maybe you got to go find, is it a sophomore or junior linebacker that comes in and competes? So uh, what it's done is it's made recruiting year-round, which it always had been for high school guys. But now, with the way this portal is, with looking at guys, um, you, you look where your needs are, but you can never perfectly guess, right? If you have a guy that all of a sudden you're going to lose a, a guy in May that you weren't expected to, well, are you able to find that exact piece of the puzzle? Then no, and so sometimes your numbers are a little skewed. You may say, hey, I want 15 scholarship O-linemen. You lose one, but hey, there's the, the this corn that's really, really good. Well, we can now add him to our roster. Um, and that's just part of it. It's the nature of it, and we have to have an understanding. What it's done is kind of brought me back to my NFL days. Of, I almost feel like an NFL general manager sometimes. Okay, what do we hear? Yeah, what do I was going to ask if you've hired a GM. Yeah. Is that a position that needs to be kind of come into the college game? You know, the more and more college football programs are hiring GMs, and whether it's an old sure. director of recruiting, somebody that can do that, some of these are handling their NIL salary caps, which we're not supposed to discuss. Um, but I think you need the salary. Yeah, cap. exactly, a salary cap manager. But uh, no, right now I currently, you know, ultimately the roster's on me. 
And so I can never sit back in, in January and say, well, we didn't have the piece. Well, that's on me, yeah. you know? And so um, I try to manage it. We got great staff, great support staff that help assist with all that stuff. Um, and I, but I, I carry around a roster in the back pocket, especially in the off season, because sometimes it's an eraser and a, a pen scratch or oh, sure. move this guy here, or we added this um, because it's ever changing now more Absolutely. so than ever. Uh, but I do, it's funny because you do see that general manager title come up. So if, if either of you guys want to apply for the job, I will, look at. you will have it right after this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> TJ may be better at it than I. I don't know. Well, He's a big Madden and NCAA football. Well, I always be good at football, NCAA football too. Excited for that to come back on Xbox. <laughs> Need it. Um, talking about the roster management and everything, Seth, I think has said it. This is the most talented team I think he's been on since he's been here. Uh, and I think Joe Skates alluded to it a little bit last week in an interview saying you guys got something special brewing. Do you, I mean, do you see that? Is this the most talented team you feel like you've, you've had here? Well, I, I think one of the things we've been able to do is, you know, whether it be through development, guys like Seth that are now going to his third year. Can start. he shave yet? Is he shaving? I, I think he's starting to shave. I, I'm going <laughs> to mail him bar my razor since I'm not using it as much anymore. And uh, We're all about bearded Silverfield, by the way. You like the beard, yeah. That was a thing. I don't know if you know that. Like the on fans the internet. like it? Oh, well, I don't know. We're I, trying to get it going. Yeah, well, we if, try to create if the fans like it, you know, it looks okay. Yeah. You know, that's I'm all for it. I'll, I'll keep it going. We're beard guys. Right. So. Y'all look sharp. I like it. Perfect. You guys a lot of credit. The whole bearded crew out here is good in the indoor. Um, but with that being said, you know, Seth is now a third year starter, right? A, a young man that we got out of high school, Greg Rubin, now a third year starter. So you got these guys. We talked about Jalen earlier that are the core of what we've developed here. And, you know, look, credit to Mike Norvell, credit to Coach Fuente, all those guys that came before me about building the great culture here. But it, with the roster turnover and the change, you got to build it every single year. Right. And so those guys that have been here that understand this is the way we do things uh, have been great that now adding some of these pieces to the puzzle, right? Joe Skates was a transfer. And for them to sit there and say, man, this is a talented roster, it is. We, we do, as I said in my press conference earlier today, like this is not a bare cupboard. We've got players, we got guys that can do it. It's our job as coaches to put them in the right positions to have success. Um, but we've got depth, we've got a lot of guys that can go out and do things. And it's one thing to just say, hey, we got a, a roster full of talent. Now, how can we go out there and execute it? And that, that's part of what we got to do and, and how we got to do things. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I feel like we do have a special group. You know, you talked about the, the roster turnover, looking at the offense specifically. Last year, receiving core depleted. I think it's only one of five, one of the top five uh, leading receivers last year is back. How is that? I, I know it's a competition every year for a spot, yeah. right? Like how hard is that to just go out and try to find a way to replace a lot of production? Yeah, I, th I think TJ, one of the things that's so unique is we actually lost our top five receiving targets from last season. Yeah. And so you, you, really you look at, you're not starting from scratch because guys like Rock Taylor, I, I told everybody last year, Rock Taylor's got a very bright future with sure. this program, right? Guys like Sutton Smith, that even though he's a running back, we, we do throw to the running yeah, back. He's got him, a, yeah. he's got a bright plays, future here. Ball. And so, you know, guys like, we knew what Joe Skates was capable of. We saw his big play explosiveness versus Navy. Like, okay, how do we bring those guys back? So I didn't sit there after the season like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Now, they're, they're, the, the transfer portal works both ways. You sit there and say, okay, some of these guys, it's maybe in their best interest to find somewhere else. And there's other guys you maybe have gone somewhere for money, but uh, you know, we bought in a lot of guys that we also like. You know, Toski Dove, 19 game starter at Mizzou, captain. You know, we talked about Demir Blankumsey. I think he's got explosiveness. You know, the tight ends, we've got a variety of tight ends sure. that I think can help us this year. We talked about the growth of Rock Teller 
and some of those guys, you know, Kobe Drake's a guy that's going to continue to fill in a role for us. Um, you know, Marcelo Bussey. So you're starting to talk about all these names that a lot of these people really haven't talked about a whole sure. lot. And now all of a sudden you're getting to see, man, and I hope this time next year you guys are saying, man, coach, well, I hope we didn't lose our top five again, but you know, like, Hey, yeah. you lost a couple of these guys here or there. Well, okay. That's our job as coaches to, to reproduce and uh, to get those guys, but we got playmakers. We're excited about them. Yeah. You mentioned tight end. I just general question. I feel like they've been used more since you've been head coach. Is that more of a scheme thing? Is that just playmakers at the position? Is it Seth making the right reads? Like, how are we, how, how are tight ends being utilized more these days? Yeah, you know, we always even this this is a very similar offensive system to what we've been running now going to year sure. eight. Um, it's always featured a tight end. In fact, since I've been the head coach, I really don't believe we've lined up a single play without a tight end on the field, which is unique. What we call eleven personnel or twelve personnel, um, and that's always been great. Going back to you know Joey Magnifico, Sean Dykes, but those guys those guys were able to do it, and then you know what our tight end of the previous season was able to do. Um, it's just part of it and how it implements it, and sometimes it's the comfort of a quarterback, and then maybe it's hey. This guy couldn't get, you know, maybe this route wasn't doing that, or maybe the run game wasn't as effective as he wanted to. Maybe those are intermediate passes to the tight end. Uh, maybe some play action bootleg. Um, maybe easier for a younger quarterback. But, uh, you know, I think it, it was never sat there and said, okay, we've got to find a way to get the tight end the ball more. Um, we've had some playmakers there, which is unique. Uh, it doesn't matter where the playmakers come from. Sure. If, if, you know, five years ago, we had a bunch of playmakers in the backfield, and that's who we were getting the ball to in a variety sure. of ways, right? Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, Tony Pollard is more in that receiver role. Clinton Gainwell, we lined up at wide receiver. So wherever they can fit into our scheme, I think, uh, fits. But I, I do think we're going to continue to see the involvement of tight ends uh, within our scheme. And if a guy can go out there and make play after play after play, we'll find ways to get him the ball. Mentioning Antonio, Kenny, uh, I feel like this season you've kind of you've got a little bit of a loaded running back room again. And I, I know in previous season we've kind of said, like, Hey, we kind of want to identify that guy, maybe a one-two punch, but it feels like with Duck, or with Jay, with uh, Watson, Sutton Smith, like, are you trying to find that one guy? Or is it more of a, just go with who's got the hot hand that day? Yeah, I think, you know, the day and age, and I've alluded to this before, of getting a guy 30 carries a game in college mm -hmm. football, it's kind of, it's gone yeah. away. Now, if we have a guy, Adrian Peterson wants to come by or Barry <laughs> yeah. Sanders, yeah, we'll be happy to hand him the ball. And we've had some of those guys, but even the day like when Patrick Taylor was here, you know, Patrick, people forget Patrick Taylor was a three-year starting running back with us. Well, he was starting the year Kenny Yeah, and, out, and, right? and Patrick broke his foot versus Ole Miss, which allowed some of these other guys to step up. Come it's up, so yeah. unique if you go back and look at the history yeah. of those running backs. You know, even Daryl Henderson, who averaged almost nine yards a carry for two straight seasons, he still shared carries with guys right. like Tony Pollard yeah. and then it allowed Kenny Gainwell for different situations, Antonio Gibson, to name just some names. Um, so this year, I, I believe, you know, we don't want to go into a season with, hey, we got these seven running backs, because if you got seven running backs, none of them are worth a damn. Right. Yeah. Uh, we got a bunch of guys in the room that are capable, uh, but I think this year we'd like to say, okay, who are our two or three guys uh, that we feel comfortable getting the ball to? And you know, can, can you put them in different positions? Maybe we line up in some 20 personnel split back stuff, maybe line up one of those guys at wide receiver, do a variety of different things. It's our job to move them all over the field and put them in the right position. But I do feel like, hey, let's really hone in on these guys that are getting it. You know, and if you've got three good running backs, maybe they're each getting 30 plays a game and it's split. Maybe some of them are two backs in the backfield. Maybe one guy's just the true guy in the backfield, maybe guys at wide receiver. So if you find a way to split that up, I think it's a good balance. 
Yeah, you talking about 30 plays a game made me think of the, the rule changes this year. So with the clock not stopping on first downs, I think what you can't take back-to-back -back timeout. Has that changed any of how y'all are approaching the season? I think, do you think it's going to limit the plays? I mean, I, you know, you got teams out here running almost 100 plays. Are they going to have to cut down? No, so, you know, I think it's, I don't think any coach or any team is looking at the philosophy of how do we approach our base downs, right? I think where it affects you is, okay, instead of, if the average college football team is running 82 plays a game and now maybe 78. So there may be four, four or five loss, plays yeah. a game sure. less uh, in college football. You know, what will be unique is like a Navy game. Does that go even quicker because of the triple option? Sure. Um, that's it. Yeah, exactly right. But, the, but even then, you know, I mean, it's just uh, from an offensive perspective with that clock rolling, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think it's going to be a drastic change. I don't yeah. think any fan's going to say, wow, that game was six minutes shorter. <laughs> you know, I just think that's uh, the nature of it. But uh, You'd be surprised. Those CBS games go like four and a half hours, six minutes would be a lot. There you <laughs> go. So, we, but we, you know, we did talk to our team about the rules. Uh, we have talked to them about the consecutive timeouts, but that, that's all on me to make sure we're doing that. Sure. Um, and then really where that, the, the no stoppage of clock before two minutes, before half, before two minutes of the end of the game, really are when you're in a situation, maybe there's two minutes and 12 seconds left, you know, and you're down six. How do you drive down the field to get that score? Sure. Maybe that's where it comes into yeah. effect. Uh, hopefully our opponents are the ones that are down there having to worry about, hey, the clock's not stopping in two-minute type situations with us having a lead. But other than that, it's not going to change the way you change your play calls. Sure. Well, good. I mean, I was going to ask about defense, but I don't want to dive too deep into it here because we talked about Simeon earlier in your interview. You were talking about the DBs and just how deep they are. I don't know if you know this just because I don't know how often you look at the analytics of it all, but – you guys were a borderline top 50 defense in yards per game last year. How do you build off that after kind of being depleted by graduation rate and things like that? I think it's like five or six guys are gone. Zay Collins is gone. Um, you know, linebacker has been a big strength for you all. And now it's kind of a little thin outside of Jeff. I think he's really the only returning starter. So how can you expand off that? How can you continue to be such a good defense? Yeah, I think anybody, you know, we talked about, oh my gosh, they lost these pass catchers on offense. And then you kind of look at the defense. Well, man, these are some newer names. Like who, who is this guy? Who's the Josh Ellison I talked about earlier, right? Uh, who, who are some of these guys that are going to be playing? We all know Jalen Allen and, you know, guys like William Whitlow, Cremonte Hamilton up front, but we've got depth. And, and it's unique because you said you lost all these guys, but I feel like we've got great depth there. Um, top 50, uh, you know, and yards per game is great. I want to be top 10 in points per game. That's the most important, right? Like, <laughs> I don't care if they, run, you know, have 1,000 yards. If we can hold them to three, three points, points a game, we'll all take it. Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, we, we did take some steps in the right direction with our defense. I like the scheme. I think our defense yeah. coaches do a phenomenal job. But you look back and you say, okay, you know, Quindell Johnson, right, the leader of our team, a captain, uh, you lose him. Well, Simeon Blair's going to be phenomenal. I'm not sitting there in comparison those two, but I think that's a, man, that's a comparable uh, player and a unique skill set that, that's a leader, right? And I'm not sitting there comparing those two. They're sure. both wonderful individuals. Uh, but then you get a guy like Greg Rubin that's played. You know, we added Malik Feaster, uh, a name that a lot of these people, you know, had never heard of. Diego Brumfield. I mean, there, some of you guys are probably like, who are all these guys? But I feel like we got bodies that can go out there and compete at a high level uh, that will allow us to have success. And then you'd look at the linebackers, right? Jeff Canton's one of our few linebackers I've actually played. Um, but what can we do and where can we carry this over and, and, and have successes? I think we've added more and more guys. It's time for some of these younger guys to step up. Bryce Edmondson is a name, you know, a guy we recruited a few years ago out of Nashville. We've got high expectations for him. 
Chandler Martin, you know, was a FCS All-American, uh, freshman All-American who's here with us now. And then, like I've talked about all along, I, I'm really excited about the depth at D-line. It's one of those positions over the years, and we always say in a place like Memphis, man, how do we get the depth at D-line? Well, we used to have it in the 80s. Well, we're not there anymore, so how do we get it back? And, and I've been pleased with where we're at with that. And uh, there's going to be a lot of new faces, but I think what we're going to be able to see is we, we got guys that can rotate and still make plays. Yeah, you, you mentioned Simeon Blair. We're a huge fan. We saw it in the spring game. He's like a coach on the field, directing people left and right, playing sports myself. I mean, that's a huge advantage, I feel like. And you got somebody that's out there that knows where everybody needs to be, kind of tell everybody where to go. Um, so yeah, excited he, to see him. He, he's been phenomenal. And, you know, look, all of our guys have been great, but he has been, and I, I've said it, you know, even as these NFL scouts come in, he is a phenomenal football player, but he's a an amazing young man and he's a leader out there he's taking control he's he's putting guys in the right spot and he's got great energy so the, the sky's the limit for him we have huge expectations we're thrilled as a tiger awesome yeah. one last question before we get into this uh memento what beer are you gonna <laughs> drink after we win the uh, american commerce championship all of them all of them <laughs> there you go there that's you the go. only that answer that is the right answer yeah. cold, the coldest one you that's can right find. all right i guess we'll jump into this quick uh, lemon raspberry that TJ's provided to us. I'm not gonna lie. At first, it was kind of gross, but it's grown on me. I kind of like it. I mean, it is. It's refreshing, as hot as it is today. But it's. I mean, I would have preferred a beer. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I'm gonna go. It's good. I would drink another one. Seven three. That's a good score. That's pretty good. I'm, sparkling water. I'm gonna go a little higher, only because I am extremely thirsty. I sweat walking to my car. So to have something with a little bit of juice added into it, just a little bit of refreshingness to it, rehydrate me, I'm gonna go seven, eight. Wow. As long as their marketing people aren't looking at this, I'm not a big sparkling <laughs> water guy, hard to believe. In fact, I'll drink out of the hose out back most nights. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, look, I'm not, this is my, my cup of tea, I'm a, you know, <laughs> so it's probably about 2.0. That's not bad. Uh, it's just not, uh, not that my, may, that's not exactly the lowest low. rating we've ever had on Tiger's. We, and we've had some bad beers. Well, I apologize. I mean, look, no, that, no hey, no, we love the honesty. There's no such thing as a bad beer, so I totally well, disagree with that comment, okay. but seltzer we'll water, get, yeah. We'll, I, get, we'll get you an Andy Smith <laughs> after the Conference championship, you may have to change your You're going to care pack. Sounds good. But yeah, this is, uh, uh, look, I'll, I'll enjoy it. We'll end the show with you guys. But yeah, we we'll, uh, appreciate probably it. Probably my yeah. first and last seltzer water you ever <laughs> see me with. Well, we're glad you, uh, you, you toughed through it today with us. But uh, coach, we appreciate it. TJ and I will be out there doing our part this uh, season, cheering you guys on. Looking forward to it. You guys watching, get out to uh, Simmons Bank September uh, 2nd, I think it is. Yep. The first game. So we'll see you there. We'll be back uh, in just a minute. Bluff City NIL is an official partner with Coaching for Literacy, a nonprofit organization using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. You can read more about them at coachingforliteracy.org or at Coaching for Literacy on social media platforms. Your donations to Bluff City NIL are 100% tax deductible because of our partnership together. So we thank you for supporting Memphis Tiger student athletes and helping promote the monumental cause that is childhood literacy. They got picked fourth in that in that poll, the, the preseason media poll. And uh, I, I don't think that would be a good finish. 
for this team this year. No. I think they need to aspire way higher than that, and I don't see why they shouldn't. Tulane and UTSA may be good teams, but they're not world beaters. They're not teams that you should preclude yourself from beating if you want to get to the spot you want to be. And if you were to want to be a Power 5 school, which the University of Memphis wants to be in athletics, you have to beat teams like that. Have so to. the aspirations still need to be high for this program. Tune in to On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Welcome back. We're back in studio, Teach. We were over there in the facility. That was dope. I know. It's always so nice being in there, man. little interview with Ryan uh, Camp starting at football in less than three weeks. That was good. Anything stick out that he said? Oh, I mean, for me, calling out a couple of guys by name I think is is fun to hear, right? You, I mean, especially when you're replacing guys, right? Like we've had Quindell for years. Quindell's now out. Now it's Simeon Blair. the next guy back there. You and I have experienced Simeon Blair firsthand at the spring game. Like, I mean, we were a couple rows back, but I, I felt like I felt him yelling at me. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a huge advantage to have a coach on the football field. Yeah. So I, it, and it feels like Simeon Blair is a football coach on the field. Yeah. Remember in Pee Wee when your coach was literally on the field with you and he's like lining people up, shifting <laughs> you over, like literally telling you in your ear what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah. I mean, that is Simeon, but he's playing as well. Yeah. I, I mean, Look, you and I have talked about this. There was the stat last year at Arkansas. He was the worst-rated pass defender in the nation. And maybe that's because the Arkansas defense didn't know where to line up, and he was having to literally until the snap of the ball tell people where to be, and then he was having to play catch-up. Yeah, I mean, just taking that into – like putting that in your mind and then seeing what you've seen so far, it seems wild that that's the same player. Absolutely bananas that that is the same player. I never saw him once get just toasted at practice. I've never seen him get burnt in the spring game. Like, it's just wild to me that that's the same player. Um, another guy, Josh Ellison, he mentioned him by name, the Cam, transfer. Cam Jackson's replacement. Cam Jackson's replacement, exactly. So you're, you're pulling in another guy who is going to have to step up and kind of replace someone that you have a little more experience with. Um, I mean, Ellison has played. He, I think Ryan said sparingly. Yeah. Uh, that's 30 snaps at Oklahoma. Like, I mean, that's not nothing, right? Uh, 30 games, excuse me, not 30 snaps, 30 uh, games. 30 snaps isn't a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, 30 games, excuse me, I realized what I said. And, uh, I mean, that's a lot of football. And you're telling me this guy's just going to step right in, and he's he's impressing at practice. I mean, obviously it's D-tackle, so it's not like the sexiest position, right? Like, your, your job is to take up two points. Oh, it can be sexy. It can. I mean, depending on who you have, but like, if all I, if all Josh is living his life in the backfield, it's going to be sexy. It wasn't sexy under Cam Jackson. Let's be let's be completely frank about it. He was big, but he didn't get a whole lot of pressure. Yeah, he's just taking up two guys. That's his job, right? I mean, what what more can you ask? It'll be interesting to see if Josh Ellison is that dude that can get in the backfield. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all in all, like the defensive just, line. Yeah, I mean, it'll in be general, interesting anybody, to see the, pick depth, anybody. the depth of this line and if they're able to get that pressure that we've kind of been uh, looking for in the last couple of years. Yeah, between Jalen and Cormonte, I think they were about nine or ten sacks last yeah. year. I, I mean, not terrible, but. The sacks were down, definitely. Yeah. So what about you? Anything you took uh, away? 
I mean, I would, I like to hear with, you know, we talked a lot about roster turnover management. Yeah. I did like, you know, asking him anything that stood out at camp so far. I'm expecting like, oh, Demir had the nasty play or whatever. And talking about the team gelling, that's encouraging to hear this early on. I mean, they've only been in camp maybe like a week or so, yeah. a little over a week. Um, you know, adding in a bunch of transfers, you've got freshmen that have come in. So it's, that was good to hear that he feels like the team is really meshing together and they've got a good solid unit. For sure. You know, all going after that uh, final goal of a conference championship. So we'll see. I, part of me wanted to ask, like, what's a successful season look like to Ryan? Yeah. But, like, we, we kind of were up against it time-wise, not going to lie. But right. in your mind, what is a successful season? Well, I think he said it in an availability the other day, is their goal is winning a conference championship. Sure. I mean, that's what they're setting out to do, right? So at the end of the day, if they don't win a conference championship, they didn't achieve what they're – they think as a team that they are capable of sure. achieving. Now, if that means they go out, they still win 10 games, they go 9-3, and three, win a bowl game, you've got 10 on the board, is it a good season? He'll tell you, yeah. And I think we would too. That's a good season. That's a very good season. But at the end of the day, you still didn't achieve what you feel like this You're team is capable. actually of capable of achieving yeah. at its its highest level. I mean, we're sitting here talking at, I think I had a two-loss team. or a th- I, a, Two, three-loss. A two- or three-loss right. team. Nine, ten-win team. You were at... Ten and two. Ten and two. So you're probably right there with me. Two, three loss yeah. team. Anywhere in that range, right? I feel like we would be competing. Oh, 100 percent I mean, obviously at the end of the day, it comes down to where do those losses fall, right? If it's three conference losses, conference, then yeah. you're probably not in the conference championship discussion. Sure. One, I would say yes. Two, it's hey, what's kind of happened with some of the teams around you? Yeah, it is gonna it feel, does feel like it's gonna be a sticky situation or it's gonna wrap up with um, Memphis has two conference losses. SMU has two conference losses, and they all kind of like offset each other and do like that wild circle looking right. thing. And we have to go to some crazy coin flip tiebreaker. Yeah, if it comes down to something like that, whoever like, does the math the multiplication test the quickest or something. Yeah, I mean it's. But I'll tell you what, I am looking forward to drinking all the beers with Ryan <laughs> after we win the conference title for sure. <laughs> I will say. If it's something that sits in the back of my mind, I don't have the highest expectations for FAU just yet. I think they will be a decent team. I think they can get there with Herman. Yeah, I think that Tom Herman's a very good coach. I don't know if it's going to happen year one. Like, I know he has, I think it's Casey Thompson, the, the Nebraska guy, but um, they play Tulane, or Tulane is playing at FAU the week before. That is like, no, that's like one of the last games. It oh, goes okay. to Tulane is at FAU and then at UTSA. And it is fantastic that Tulane and UTSA end up playing each other. Because obviously oh, yeah, we, we're good. not playing UTSA. Right. So we have no no power. Yeah. And, no and you know, they'll, I mean, they'll already have one conference loss to us for sure. So Exactly. that You read my mind on where I'm going with that. So there's a chance Tulane could have potentially even three. Yeah. But it's like we talked about that SMU game with us could be a very pivotal, like, the winner of that game could ultimately end up hosting. I mean, depending on what happens with it's UTSA, what it like, right? could be the the host of the conference championship. I think what makes this whole season unique as we head into the start of the season is that is this not the first year in a long time that the AAC is, doesn't have just like a clear-cut best yeah. team? Yeah. Like, I mean, again, yeah, I think those top four, literally any one of the four. And there could be a dark horse out there. I mean, to TJ's point, I mean, FAU could ultimately come in and year one 
make a run or it could be in East Carolina could be up there. I mean, they've, yeah, I'm with you though. I'm with you though. But uh, you know what I mean? Sure, I, sure. There are a true four, any one of the four could be the champion. And then there could potentially be another dark host. You know, there could be a Tulane that comes out of nowhere. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, you got to think Tulane was projected to finish seventh last year. Yeah. I mean, you're coming off Came a two and 10 year. So that's kind of the joy of the American, I guess, if you want to look at it in any positive light right now is that it's winnable. It's extremely winnable. Kind of looking what you have in there. Like, yes, UTA, UTSA has some good things going. Tulane's coming off a championship. Uh, SMU is pulling in through the transfer portal really well. And then there's you and, and Memphis is building a beautiful roster. They've got a favorable schedule. I mean, I think if you have a very strong year this year, let's say you make it to the conference championship, you don't win. Looking forward to next year's season. I, Trey, I'm not shocked if I would look at their schedule right now and say they would be undefeated in conference next year. I'm not even joking. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's handle 2023 first. This year is really hitting right now. You know uh, what I mean? <laughs> let's get to that. We got football in two and a half weeks. Get out to the bowl. We're hearing... Oh, yeah. There's going to be some fan improvement things. I think maybe some new pyro, uh, maybe some adjustments to the Tiger runout. Yeah. And uh, some things on Tiger Lane. So look forward to that. I think the official announcement's coming out 23rd. next week. So uh, the university will be announcing that. But some things to improve from a fan experience um, at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. So get out September 2nd, first game, Bethune Cookman. TGN will continue to have. Uh, our preseason talks, we'll probably do, like we said, I think a depth chart look and then maybe take some questions. We'll answer some questions, do some uh, superl- some superlatives. Love the superlatives. We'll have to keep track of that again. Yeah. I think, TJ, you won the beer. I did win. It's year. important to note that I won. Doesn't matter. All right, let's get in this brew. Uh, cool can. Not going to lie. I like the can a lot. You got the w- giant wave. Speaking of can, it. we totally forgot to rate the sparkling water can with. It's a sparkling water can. It wasn't a bad can though. It's okay. How about Ryan absolutely hating that drink? Wow, it yeah. wasn't. That I'm not great. sure that he took a sip outside of the first sip. No, he absolutely no, he didn't. didn't. He didn't. No, no. He didn't move one. But bit. he did have a reaction that I have had multiple times on a first sip, where it's kind of like, "What is that?" That I just so. You can't always, and we probably should have said it. You can't always judge it on the first sip. You got to give it another. You got to give it a couple because it, it grew on me personally. I mean, I finished the whole thing. I, well, yeah, I finished mine too. I drank it and I was like, "This tastes like pencil shavings." And then I drank another sip because I was so thirsty. I'm like, "Okay, it's growing on me." And then I crushed the whole thing and I ended up giving it a decent score because I was so thirsty. Yeah, I mean, it was as hot as it has been. It was refreshing. It's very re- refreshing. Um, jumping into this can, it's a sexy can. We've got. Some water. I don't know if you guys can see that. We got some water. There's a spear going into a basketball. This is supposed to be the uh, the kiwi of, of Stephen Adams. I guess the spear wow. is, is something they use there. And the splash of the water is the Ghost, the Ghost River, River Tree. Tree. Yeah, how sick is that? That is so good. This is a good can, TJ. I'm going. A lot I'm giving about. it to you right now. This is a seven eight can. Um, this lane crashing IPA features all new New Zealand hops, hint of stone fruits. I don't know what a stone fruit is and blackberries put on a full court press on your palate. Thanks to generous late additions of 
Motuka? Motuka? Don't ask me. I can't pronounce Motuka anything. Motuka and Pacific Gem Hops. This tasty ale will also leave, have you cleaning the glass, just like number four. So they don't really hide the Stephen Adams aspect of it. I think we can go ahead and get that out of the way. They don't hide all that right. at all. Yeah, this is Stephen Adams. Uh, very cool can. A very cool can from Ghost River, who is normally pretty good at cans, I think. But um, what would you say? Seven, eight. Seven, eight. That's it. That's a good can, and this is a good can. I'm going to go a little bit lower. Alcohol percentage, 6.9. That's nice. Nice. Um, I'm going to say like a 7.5. I do really like this can. I think they you did. You know it. what? Do, it is the water splash Ghost River tree that does it for me. I get it. It's a good It's a good one. It's a little plain. It was creative, so creative. But also plain. Yeah. It's not, it's sense. not too much. It's good. Maybe that's what I mean by plain. Like it's safe. It's, yeah. it's, we're not. They did just enough. Yeah, they're not throwing on. It's like too the three much. little bears. Not too much, not too little. You're right there. Just what do you think right. about the actual brew itself? Uh, I enjoyed this. It's pretty this good. good. I've never had a New Zealand IPA. Isn't that what it was? Uh, yeah. Or just New Zealand hops. New Zealand maybe. hops. Um, no, I thought this was good. I could, uh, I could definitely buy multiple of these. This is not like a one beer kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Seven five feels right, okay for me. Sure, I'm trying not to go the same as my score. Um, I did like it, but I could see where someone would try this and not love it for sure. Oh yeah, I mean it's definitely a full court man to man press on your uh, palate. But yeah, I'm gonna go a little bit lower. Probably I'm not like scared a, of a little pressure. A seven two, but I could drink many of these for sure. But because I like the hops of it, but there was also something to it. It was making me like, man, I wish I could just drink my water right now and clear, I, clear my mouth. I'm right, yeah. I'm assuming it's malt at this point. Which is fine. I mean, there's no shame in needing to no, see you got to hydrate, dude. It's hot outside. Yeah. So. Oh, 2 a.m. in the morning, and it's still probably 99 degrees outside. No, we're actually having a cold front come in. The high tomorrow is only 80. What? Yeah. Is the that next, serious? Oh, it's dead serious. Next two days? Well, by the time this podcast has come out, they will already have happened. But Tuesday and I think Wednesday, the high is... 80 and 83. Wow. Got a little cool. Sign me up. Might be the day. Y'all need to get out in pads on the training camp field. I would. We should. Why did we not film that while we were there? I wanted to ask Ryan outright. Like, look at this guy right here. Do you think he could catch passes on Greg Rubin? Yeah. But I didn't want to, like, offend you on on camera and stuff like that. Well, why would that? You already think that I can. Yeah, but Ryan may humble you. And that could be a situation you don't want to get into. Ryan might say, you got to get through me before you can get to Greg Rubin. And that that's, it was a perfect opportunity to run a 40-yard dash for sure. Ooh. A cold 40-yard dash. I wanted to kick a field goal so bad. Have you ever kicked a field goal? Yeah. It's so, so hard. It is so hard. So hard. So hard. But I want to, I would, I wanted to kick a punt too, hit the top of the roof. You're hitting the top of the roof, yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we will be back uh, next week. Like, subscribe, check us out. Get to bluffcitymedia.co. Sign up for the Discord. TJ and Trey for 10% off. Grab a cold beer. Come for the hot takes. We'll see you next week. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Tigers Untapped, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Like and subscribe at Bluff City Media's YouTube page. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co for comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports.